Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast with your host, Tessa Zali, licensed esthetician, here today with my friend Douglas Preston, who is a business owner in Los Gatos, and he is a longtime acne specialist and also the inventor of his very own extractor tool. We are going to pick Douglas's brain today and ask him your listener questions from Instagram. So thank you to everyone who submitted those. And Douglas, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back. I've been uh, a licensed esthetician for almost 43 years now. And I've had uh, more than one practice established in that time. Acne became more of a focus in my uh, in my uh, uh, later iteration, though about the last twelve or thirteen years, and um, uh, and now uh, we're we're focusing more on uh, acne education tools, professional products. I'm about to retire from practice. Uh, that's going to happen at the end of this year, and I have a protege who will most likely be taking over my office and my practice, and I'm very excited about that. So. Um, so that's kind of the the nutshell part of it there. Well, I'm selfishly sad sad to hear, but congratulations, that's amazing and so well deserved. I'm sure you're still going to stay busy in retirement, knowing you. <laughs> yeah, a little doubt about that. Douglas is also the first esthetician who treated my acne, so. I wanted to to share that with you guys. I saw him really at the peak of my acne. Yeah, you 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 have congestive issues, which is right up my alley, and I think uh, we got the, brought that under control. And you know, you look fabulous as always now. Thank you. Nice and clear, <laughs> but you definitely played a, a big part in my acne journey. So I'll always thank you for that. Getting into some of the questions, I think one of the first questions I actually have for you is, could you share the difference between this type of congestive acne that you specialize in and then maybe some other types that you don't commonly treat or extract? Well, I see everything, of course. You know, all, all types of acne comes into the office. Um, I focus on congestive acne, which is follicular blockage and therefore uh, 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 bacteria buildup uh, in those follicles, because it's the most common type of acne that most of us see uh, in, uh, in, in aesthetics. Uh, conversely, it's also probably the easiest acne to bring under control. Um, so when you're seeing congestive acne, you're looking at follicular blockage, that could be blackheads, or comedones or um, uh, closed comedones where the skin is overgrown, the follicular opening. And then uh, there may be various degrees of inflammation, uh, actual uh, uh, skin wall breakthrough and uh, in infection and, and uh, uh, pustules in the skin, uh, sometimes nodules, which are difficult to reach. And, um, and, and so here we're dealing with a, a, a bacteria control issue and the esthetician can do a lot to manually extract the, the follicular blockages, therefore reduce the bacteria load and, uh, and therefore the reactivity. So um, that is my focus. Other types of uh, acne that, that we see, of course, 
there is hormonal acne. Now, of course, all, all acne is affected by hormones. So as the hormones fluctuate, then uh, the degree of, uh, of sebaceous activity also uh, uh, follows along with that. Um, but some cases we'll see acne, and particularly in females, which uh, is often localized at the lower jaw, upper lip area, neck. Uh, and when you examine that skin, you don't see follicular blockage, <clears throat> but you might see flat uh, lesions on the skin. Uh, some are personal injuries, <laughs> as I call them, where a, where a fingernail has been used as a tool to, you know, to try to extract something from that skin. Uh, those lesions tend to be a little itchy. They're common in uh, uh, in stressful situations, but but there is no congestive cause for this, and that type of acne is a, a more difficult to treat. Um, and generally, it's not what I focus on. And there's fungal acne. Uh, there's uh, acne um, cosmetica, acne mechanica. These are caused by uh, incorrect um, uh, cosmetic ingredients on the skin. Disagrees with this with with what the skin type can tolerate, uh, or you have a, a follicular irritation due to friction, heat, asphyxiation, and you get temporary um, uh, lesions, pustules from that. So, and it goes goes on from there. But but most of the acne that I see is congestive, uh, and um, and and then the, then of course the central tool for that is going to be. Uh, extractions, and as I said, bacteria control. And speaking of, we have quite a few questions about extraction. So Rand's Beauty asks, how do you know what you should or shouldn't extract? Well, experience will tell you that, of course, uh, uh, over time. Um, if uh, first of all, you want to make sure that if you're extracting on the skin, that you're not working on some sort of feature that really isn't related to uh, being a comedone. Um, I, I know that uh, newer estheticians oftentimes don't recognize certain kinds of irregularities on the skin, like a sebaceous hyperplasia, for example. Uh, no point in going into that thing um, or small moles or etc. So you want to leave that alone. Um, but if, uh, if you can recognize a closed comedone or an open comedone, uh, very, very common, uh, um, uh, problem on the skin, uh, then, uh, needless to say, you would, you would want to start there. Uh, and then methodology matters, of course, we'll probably go into that as, as, as we, um, uh, as we go into this podcast, but, um. You know, there there is no replacement for experience. So when I'm teaching people uh, uh, extractions, very often I'm showing them uh, material that's hiding in the skin that they can't even see, but I know it's there <laughs> because I've been removing it for so, uh, for so long, and uh, and that's you know that that really helps them uh, achieve more um, uh, results from from the services that they're performing. I think something I hear a lot of estheticians struggle with is, you know, seeing non-inflamed acne versus acne that's inflamed and has a lot of redness around it. Mm -hmm. Could you share your approach with 
extracting those and maybe it's an opportunity to even share why your why your tool that you made is special well if there's a lot of inflammation or even a pustule present um, that is probably going to be best handled with uh, either the fingertip method if somebody wants to use that i te- i tend to use cotton swabs and i'll massage that um uh, that follicle from side to side and bring up the material that's in there. And you have to get the comedone as well. One of Very often we know that people are picking their own skin or relieving a whitehead, for example. They're often leaving that comedone down, that, which is sort of rammed down at the base of the follicle. Skin uh, closes up over that and, and the uh, cycle will repeat. So we do have to make sure we get all of that out. Um, the the, the the extraction strategy, for example, that I use with comedones is that if a person is breaking out a lot and, and it is become it's because of the bacteria uh, that's present in the uh, follicle, then my uh, it, what I'm most interested in is is removing the follicular blockage that hasn't reached the inflammation the inflammation stage yet. <clears throat> and that's because once once a, a uh, once a, a follicle is is highly inflamed, and even if there's a pimple present, that's sort of the late stage of this cycle. But I'm going to spend most of my time removing a, a follicular blockage that hasn't reached that point yet, and then you get ahead of the bacteria cycle, and the client starts to clear up. So while you know we're going to notice the pustules and the inflammation. My real goal is to is to uh, remove um, the material that's eventually going to result in that. Skincare with Maddie wants to know what is your favorite method to soften the skin before you do extractions. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to do a plug here. I knew it. Uh, pr- um, <laughs> well, I was never going to go into the product business, at least for the professional market. But with the success of the Preston extractor, we've been asked over and over and over again about a disencrustation solution uh, and also some kind of preparatory mask of pre-extraction. So we finally broke down and we developed them. Uh, So we have a a, a prepping solution, disencrustation solution by by, um, uh, Preston, and it's our um, acne control system. And then also we have um, uh, the uh, the enzyme mask, and both of these things help not only soften the skin but also minimize the the um, uh, the keratin blockage of the of the um, of the follicle, keratinized protein lying on the skin, stratum corneum, and uh, and and then the skin is is softer and and more prepared for uh, for proper extractions. Other than that, I mean, if on the on the cheap, you can use uh, distilled water and and baking soda, uh, and uh, you know that will at least raise the pH of the skin so that so that it is more pliable, um, but it it doesn't have an exfoliating uh, factor to it. I would actually love to to try it, and. I also do hear estheticians say that sometimes they struggle to to do the extractions. They struggle to to get something out. What do you think could be going on there? Is it an issue of 
perhaps not spending enough time softening the skin. Are some skin types just not as easy to extract? Well, as in the classes that I teach in extraction, you know, of course, I encounter these frustrations all the time. And I and I'm asked questions like this uh, routinely. Um, I find that it's several things uh, that that cause that issue. Uh, one and first is the method. So people have different methods of extraction. They might use their, you know, they might use wrapped fingertips. So they might use a loop extractor. Uh, or swabs or something like that. All of those things are pretty inefficient and they're slow. Um, the other the other problem is uh, is hesitation. You know, the esthetician is not inclined to want to hurt their client. They don't like doing things that are uncomfortable or painful. Most of them, anyway. <laughs> Certainly, some don't mind, but. Um, but there is often some discomfort involved with extractions or pinching nerve endings, right? When you're trying to get that, that material out. And so if you're hesitant to cause discomfort, uh, if your methods are not, you know, are, are not that efficient, if the skin isn't properly prepared, uh, uh, you're going to struggle with that. Also in hard to reach areas, such as below the chin, on the neck, very difficult area to extract from. Um, I've solved that problem, <laughs> but uh, but very often it's just you know it's left behind because it's so it's it, it's so challenging to remove um, the the blockage. Could you share how your extractor is unique from others on the market? The press, yes, uh, it, the Preston extractor operates by. Uh, first of all, it's very localized, but so you can apply pressure to the skin in a very precise area right around the follicular opening. Um, it, it is designed to get under the follicle and lift the material out rather than squeezing from side to side or pushing down. Um, this actually directs the pressure underneath the follicle and, and pushes upwards. And that in itself is fantastic for removing follicular debris. Um, I developed that tool out, out of sheer frustration uh, in my second year of aesthetics <clears throat> that long, long ago. And um, because you know, I, I use the same methods everybody else uses, and they're pretty much the same ones that we have today. Uh, but inefficient, slow, I wanted to get more done uh, per treatment. And, uh, and as a result, um, when I came up with this idea, which I adapted from a medical tool, it worked phenomenally well. And then, but I also had to develop a method, right? So there's a tool, a method, uh, different areas of the face use it differently. Uh, of course, it also works on the chest and back, uh, even in the ears. And so, um, so it was really, a, uh, I, I had a, concept in mind, which I thought would allow me to get this kind of pressure that I need. It's not a cutting tool. It's not a piercing tool. It is a pressure tool. And uh, you know, thousands of estheticians use it now worldwide, and it's quite successful. Yep. I'm sure you've seen it all over Instagram, you guys. And I have to say, I think one one pain point you solved with this that's really unique is that after the extractions, after the facial 
client isn't left with any kind of bloody, brutal situation or long healing time. I always appreciated if I would go into for extraction the next day, my skin would be flat and it just it just looked like I had clear skin. And that's that's pretty unique. And I feel like a lot of people struggle to get facials because they anticipate that the healing time is annoying. And sometimes there's even more purging when extractions aren't done correctly. So to me, I think that is just phenomenal and makes it such a worthwhile investment for every esthetician to learn how to use this tool. Because if your clients go through that, they may not want to come back. That's that's correct. And, and that brings up a good point. And that is how we introduce extractions to uh, to acne clients. Uh, if, if I've heard anything repeatedly from uh, new acne clients that I uh, that I have, who have seen other estheticians in the past, uh, it is the complaint about extractions. And they talk about how painful they were and, you know, how uh, the esthetician really didn't involve them in the process of that other than just start in. And that is a, that is a problem with, um, with communication. When I have a new acne client, and of course we're going to talk about extractions, I, I, I explain the, the, the reason why we're going to do it and the method very carefully. Uh, I show them the tool that I, that I use, explain how that tool works. Uh, and then also let that client know that they are in charge of what happens in that treatment. So in other words, I'm not going to do anything to anyone. We're going to do it together. And if they find it unpleasant, if they don't want to continue with it, they can communicate that to me. There's no shame in stopping. If they need a little break, that's fine. Um, males, for some reason, tend to be a little more sensitive uh, than females, so they need a little extra time. <laughs> uh, it's pretty consistent. But, uh, but overall, it is, that, it, is, it is inviting the client to be a part of this process rather than just sub subjecting them to it that makes the, the situation much more tolerable. You know, we, we will tolerate more of what we agree to than what has been sprung on us, right? And that is true uh, in the case of extractions. And I pay careful attention to the body language of a client, to their breathing. You know, they'll crack their knuckles. They might tense up. And all through the process, I, I stop and I ask, how are we doing? Are we doing okay here? Do you want to continue? Shall we take a break? Um, and... Uh, and that generally, even though there is discomfort in extractions, and there, there is, without question, um, when they see the net result, which is often me showing them what I've taken out of the skin, so that they know there was a real benefit, right, from, the, from what they put up with, um, they're sold. And uh, I can, I, when I think of the vast number of clients that I've worked with with extractions and some for many years i can i can really count on one hand the number of people who find who said i can't handle this uh i think it was four boys and one girl <laughs> and that's fair that's fair right but at the same time i also know that if we can't do that 
And I'm not going to try to find another way, because if I do, it's not going to be an efficient process. Then, it, you know, we're, it's just who I am and what they need to match, and that happens in aesthetics. Um, but it's, it's so incredibly rare that it's not even a statistic. So I don't think about that going into it uh, with a new client. Just goes to show how important that communication and setting the expectation, especially with a process that can be a little bit painful, I think that goes a long way. Mm -hmm. I also call every new client two days after their first visit. I let them know I'm going to do that, uh, ask their permission. And tell them why. So you know you're you're new with me. We've done some some things with your skin that haven't been done before. Uh, and I and maybe you've picked up a few products. I'd like to know how that affected you. How the how you're doing post treatment and using products. So if uh, they don't mind, then I'll uh, give them a call. It's real quick, but it gives them an opportunity to tell you if something's gone wrong, or if they're happy with it. You know that as well. It's also um, correct because it. If we say that we care about our clients, and that should be part of our responsibility, checking in and not just waiting for them to call us. When it comes to home care for the acne client, what are the products you find yourself most commonly recommending? Uh, well, it goes in two ways. One is the condition of the type of acne that we're addressing. And equally as important is the willingness of the customer to follow through on anything that you recommend. To, uh, teenage boys, for example, which represent about 50% of my acne clientele, <clears throat> are not very reliable when it comes to home care. So less is better in their case. Girls who seem to be more motivated in terms of their appearance uh, will do more and more reliably. Uh, adults generally uh, will follow through on anything, um, so, but it's a matter, also a matter of time. So usually, of course, I'm, uh, it's going to be a correct cleanser, some sort of exfoliating uh, agent. If we have a lot of inflammation, we're going to be using benzoyl peroxide and probably retinol, um, the prop, a proper hydrator for their skin, and a proper SPF, and that would be sort of m minimum. With, with the correct instructions about how to use them and also um, uh, physical things uh, such as the avoidance of hot water and you know heavy friction scrubs and things like that. Uh, but I try to, do, uh, to, to treat the skin more minimally um, and then as we need to, to add a step, as long as you know, we're, we're getting some compliance here, uh, then we may, um, we may increase that. I want to ask you specifically about closed comedones or maturation arrest acne. I think that's another theme I hear a lot with estheticians. They can struggle with that, treating that type of acne. What do you view as the correct approach to treating that non-inflamed, textured type of like pebbly acne? Well, well, it's 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 only acne if if there. I mean, truly, it's only acne if there is a reaction to the bacteria. So we have, you know, every skin has acne bacteria on it. The follicles contain them, you know, because there is sebum down there, and acne bacteria are are consuming that sebum. 
Uh, but there's a byproduct that the bacteria creates in the follicle that you may or may not have a re reaction to. And if you do, then you have acne. So, uh, so acne really, in, 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 as a condition, is the inflamed response to a follicular blockage. Otherwise, you have blocked follicles, right? You have comedones. And uh, some people will come in with hundreds of those and not one sign of inflammation. They don't have acne. They have what I call a, um, they have an aesthetic problem. Visually, it doesn't look good. So that's an aesthetic issue. And uh, with that, uh, and particularly if a person is, you know, over 30 or they're approaching middle age and so forth, and they have congestion in the follicles, then we're going to do an exfoliating treatment. We're going to get the skin as hydrated as possible. And then we'll go in and remove as, as much of that blockage as possible with, with both closed comedones, um, uh, open comedones, and even melia, which is not acne at all. That's something different. But again, it is an aesthetic issue. So, so that type of, of condition that you're describing, it's, it's follicular congestion, that it could be, uh, it could be uh, retention hyperkeratosis that's causing it. Um, again, it's skin asphyxiation from you know really rich products that are backing up in there. Um, but uh, but right, it's, so you have a texture issue, and by removing the debris in the follicle, which is causing an uplift on the skin, the skin flattens out, the the follicular opening will recontract, and the skin looks much better. Do you find that texture is something that is relatively easy to extract? Does it depend on the person? You know, it's funny. Uh, skin is so different. When I when I get a brand new client, one of the things that I'm always interested in, and I talk to them about that, is how will how easy their skin will release what it is I'm trying to remove from it. I remember I had a couple of teenage boys who had a lot of skin congestion, man, they, they were brothers. Uh, um, and their skin was so difficult to get that material out of. And I'm good at this. <laughs> but that skin just held onto it, even with my extractor. Um, typically on a first visit, because we'll have some topical blockage in there, the skin will be a little more resistant to extractions. And then as we have uh, re uh, relieved some of that um, debris, then in repeated visits, it's easier to get it out. Uh, so on that first visit, uh, you know, good exfoliation and good hydration. We want to try to get as much moisture down in those follicles as we can so we can create some slippage between the follicular wall and the comedone. Because right now it's pretty dehydrated down there. So that, that plug is really gripping the wall of the follicle. So we want to we want to get some slippage in there. And then, uh, so it could be a little tougher on that skin type. Um, I had a, a new client yesterday, as a matter of fact, that, that, that fit that description perfectly, although she did have more inflammation around the neck, but on the face and f uh, cheeks and forehead, it was pretty dry. Um, uh, and the actual plugs were small, but the effect topically was significant because of the upward pressure, right? So you have a bump that's covering this little plug that's 
pushing up. So mm. um, anyway, she was pretty happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I I would say I agree. It's an issue of the oil getting blocked and then it being compounded by a lot of dryness and even a, a layer of dryness. And maybe in the case of teenage boys, they're trying to treat the acne with something really drying and aggressive, but not understanding the hydration element. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, the, the, the old um, misnomer that, you know, you want to dry out the acne is, you know, that, that doesn't work, right? We don't want to dry out a pimple, for example. We need to remove the cause. And dryness is you know, it's a, it's an exacerbator. It's not going to help that, but, you know, mass marketing has got more money than most of us. So we have to keep fighting those, you know, those, uh, those urban legends and, uh, and misinformation. Those proactive commercials and the toothpaste as a spot treatment. So I'm being selfish with the time and asking you a lot of my questions. We have, Another one from Jay Mora, 1998. She wants to know, what are your thoughts on spray and a lactone? You know, it's, it's, it's client by client and patient by patient, right? Um, most of those, most medical treatments for acne are trying to, and, 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 the, and again, I'm going to go back to congestive acne because that, that is where my area of expertise lies. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're if you're trying to control inflammation, for example, antibiotics certainly help there. It's temporary yeah. because it, it it does not eliminate the conditions by which that inflammation has developed. It just simply the body just simply has more resistance to it, but it hasn't removed the cause. Uh, tretinoin, for example, is is attempting to circumvent what we do manually, which is to prevent follicular blockage, right? Uh, and of course, then, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with things like Accutane, uh, that's just, you know, that's the doomsday weapon for, for acne. Client that I had again yesterday uh, was, had taken, uh, taken it twice, and her acne just keeps coming back. So, you know, she, now she's with me. But um, so any of the any of the medications that are used to treat acne usually are trying to affect the, 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 the response in the skin to a condition that is left, left there. So, uh, so if you're able to remove the physical cause, then you don't need the response mechanism so much, which is medications. And again, once those medications are removed, the the, pro, the problem races right back because it's still there. Yeah. So um, so again, whether it's spiralactone or um, you know any of the any of the uh, um, ingestible or topical antibiotics, um, it's person by person. You just don't know until until you. Uh, uh, see how it's affected them, and of course, you know the medical world is is not my world because you know I'm not a physician. Fair enough. 
Okay, so the next one is from Fanny Lachance81. She says, what would be the steps for acne clients to succeed with the esthetician? Compliance with whatever the esthetician prescribes. So if, uh, if, if you're dealing with a, you know, a fairly severe uh, in, inflamed acne outbreak, then you have to just determine from your experience what it's going to be to get this under control. Now, uh, that may be weekly visits, which are heavy in extractions and peels. Home care to follow that up. Uh, and, um, and if that is what you feel that the, the, the condition calls for, then you let them know. Uh, many estheticians become frustrated by their customers because clients are not necessarily compliant. Uh, I don't have, personally have that problem, not because my clients do everything I ask them to do. It's just that it is not my responsibility to make them do things that they don't want to do. My job is to address the condition because they brought it to me to give the best advice I, I, I can offer, to, opt to perform treatments if allowed. And beyond that, it's up to them. Yeah. You know, we're more like personal trainers in a sense, right? The personal trainer doesn't go with their client to every workout. Right. You know, I, right. I, I guess if you have money, you might, but most don't. They set you on a path. They tell you how to do it correctly, and you go to the gym and you use the machines the right way. And and so same for us, right? They're not with us all the time. So it is a combination of what we do manually and what they do topically. Also, the avoidance of certain things, uh, needless to say, that can worsen the condition. But uh, it, you know, it, it if if you are experienced in treating acne, then you should know what to say and do. Um, sometimes I will mitigate it based on uh, what, what a client will tell me they do. I don't usually go by affordability um, because I am what I am, right? And I don't compromise that. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's different for each person. But, I, I, but compliance ultimately with your program is where you're going to see the results. And then it's just a matter of how motivated they are to do it. And they aren't all. I have the perfect follow-up <laughs> to this question. I, I kind of know how you work, and I, I, know, I knew that's what you would say. But another person, <laughs> oh my, it's Vi, she asked, or she said, I struggle to be stern with clients and, and get them their results. And then I, I wanted to know more, and I said – with Douglas, I know he's not one to really force clients to behave a certain way. He's not somebody who's going to give his clients a contract and say, like, you have to do this. But I asked her, I just wanted to get more clarification. What do you mean by that? And she said, I struggle with having acne clients come in. They don't follow the skincare habits. They don't follow the routine. I don't see them enough. And then they're disappointed when they don't see the results. What would you say to that? 
Well, you can nag and you can tell people, you know, you, you can be all passionate about this. I'm, I'm not that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and simply because it's not my responsibility. You know, it just yeah. isn't. And nagging doesn't work. Um, being stern. I think that I learned something a long time ago um, from a consultant when I first went into consulting. And I was talking to him, uh, the business consulting. And I was talking to him about my frustration about the clients that I would have. You know, they'd hire me to come in and take a look at their business and correct things about it. And I would do that. I would attempt that. And they wouldn't do it. And it was frustrating to me. You know, I'm being well paid, right? But I'm not getting the result. And he said, well, I'll give you a little tip. He said, never care about your client's business more than they do. And you'll be fine. And that was really a great piece of advice. Never care about your client's skin more than they do. It's the same thing. If they, if they're, you know, if they say they want a certain result and they're not doing what it takes to get it, it's not our problem. But here's the thing: I have never had a client in all the years I've been doing this blame me for their lack of results. Uh, if I'm not able to get it, doing my absolute best work and their absolute compliance then the method is not appropriate for what's going on with their skin. They're going to have to find another means. And that may mean medical treatments that might work, that just might work better or a hybrid, what I do. And then, you know, some prescriptions, for example, of things. Um, but uh, clients will not blame us for their lack of results. Now, I, I do see it on Instagram, people posting things saying, you know, oh, this client complained and said, you know, I just don't get them. <laughs> I don't get that client. And uh, uh, but but at the same time, I make it clear with every new client with acne what the possibilities are. And I tell them right up front, I do not know that I can correct what's going on there. I'll do my best. It's a partnership. We both have, and we both play a part here. Uh, I will always be reliable for you, and I'll always do the best work possible. You have to as well. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And um, then it's up to the client to decide if they want to keep coming back to me and having these treatments. Some do, some don't. But you can let yourself off the hook. You know, do the best you can. Let them uh, uh, do the rest, and if it doesn't doesn't work out, well, you know, the next one might. So, yeah, we don't have, we don't need to heap any kind of stress on ourselves. We'll be all right. I feel like maybe the reason you don't have so much disappointment is you're quite clear in setting the expectation. Would you say in the first visit you have a conversation about? certain habits they they should not be engaging in or things they need to do is it clear when they leave your space that you know this piece is my homework it is mm -hmm. and you know i'm very good natured about it you got a teenage boy right <laughs> and i'm going to tell him look you can't eat iodized salt and you can't have sugar and stay away from dairy products yeah right you know it, it, it they're that, that they're not going to do that. You know, you need to make sure that you cleanse morning and night and do it this way and right without fail and get your benzoyl peroxide on. And this is how much you use. <laughs> you know, 
you, you, you practically have to use a gun to get a boy into a shower, right, at a certain age. <laughs> you know? So I'm practical. And when I talk to them about correcting the acne, I use humor. I said, okay, look, I know you're going to hate this news, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. So these kinds of foods and these things aren't going to work for you. But, you know, and, and they will make this worse. So it's up to you to decide whether or not that matters to you. It's not my choice. As I said earlier, my responsibility is to give the correct information. And then beyond that, it's their lookout, right? But I've never, like I said, had anyone come in and say, you know, all that, all we've been doing here and that advice said, you know, it hasn't worked and what's wrong. Uh, uh, sometimes you can't get the results sometimes, and people's skin will fluctuate. Sometimes you've done great and they come back in in a couple of months and whoa, what happened? Right. And, you know, well, I've been under a lot of stress and, you know, yeah, I haven't been getting enough sleep. I've been partying all this. Okay. Yeah, fine. You know, we can do, but let's just do it again. Right. That's my job. And we don't cure acne anyway, right? We 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 control it the, as best we can. That's so. That's what I do, and uh, if allowed, <laughs> so it doesn't have to be an issue. Yeah, but you know, you can't all like I said, you can't always get what you want. The next question is about fading acne scars from Satiny Aesthetics by E. Steph. Do you use creams or serums to fade acne scars, or what is the best treatment? Well, first of all, we need to correctly define that term, because a scar on the skin is a physical disfigurement. Color variations, that is a blemish. So we have blemishes and we have scars, and scars can range anything from a pit scar to a keloid, right? So that is a physical disfigurement. That's tissue we're talking about here. Uh, and and I, there's not a lot I can do with that. But color, sure. So whether it is post-inflammatory erythema or, uh, or hyperpigmentation, depending on the skin type. So you, it runs, of course, from red you know, to deep brown, even to black. Um, the lighter skins are the easiest to get to help uh, uh, control that with. Your retinol is going to help, vitamin C and niacinamide. That's really nice. Plus, uh, if the skin is no longer inflamed, then you can use microdermabrasion, of course, and, uh, and, and um, peels to help with that because we want to push the collagen out through that. Uh, sunscreen, needless to say. Uh, and um, those, are my, those are really my go-to um, choices. Uh, but the darker the skin, the more concentrated the melanin, and the harder it is to reduce that. Um, so um, I've, I find I'm most successful with PIE, and um, but that is the that is kind of the end game for me, right? So first thing first thing we want to do is to stop the inflammation, reduce the swelling, get the uh, um, and then we then when that happens, we can start to see what the second stage problem is, and it's usually PIE, uh, found in lighter skins, and then uh, we go after that. And then I have them use home products uh, to support it. And it takes time, right? Oh my, yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it takes a lot of patience. And, um, uh, and, and, and there is where 
your compliance really matters. You know, when when a person comes in, let's say, and they have uh, hyperpigmentation, it's not my favorite thing to treat. I can I can get that color down, but unless they are absolutely positively compliant with avoiding ultraviolet exposure, they're going to get that back. And and that means a lifestyle change that most people will simply not follow, especially in sunny states like California. It's, it's almost impossible to do. It takes so little ultraviolet exposure to re-excite uh, the melanin and, and to bring that back. It's just up to what what they're willing to do. But that's never been my uh, uh, favorite service, uh, and primarily because of the uh, the length of time it takes to get a good result, at least with my methods, and um, the dis and the disappointment in in that. Mm -hmm. Yep, I hear you. It it definitely takes a lot of time and patience and compliance too. And even with the right products, sometimes it just feels like it can't heal fast enough. I think prevention is a lot easier than the correction and. Another good point to really ensure that acne is as controlled as it can be in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah acne is an interesting business because um, in, in Las Vegas, I will be talking about this. Yeah, yeah I, I love the business of acne, but, you know, the acne client's goal is to never see you again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who would go to a dentist if they didn't need to? Right. right? And so, you know, they're only there because of the urgency of, you know, of their emotional response to what they're seeing. And, um, you know, uh, the vast majority of acne clients I've ever had are gone. You know, they're, they're now looking at wrinkles <laughs> and some come back for that. But, um, you know, it's, um, you know, working with acne, um, the, again, the the it, it's both a we're we're trying to to have an influence both physically and uh, and emotionally, and uh, and probably the emotional recovery is the most rewarding part of the, the work itself. And as I like to say, if you have if you see somebody who has serious acne. But it doesn't bother them at all. They don't have acne. I mean, they don't have an acne problem. They just have acne. It doesn't bother them. And sometimes parents will bring in kids here, and it and the parent is is the one with the acne right, problem. Right, right. It just has the acne. <laughs> it's funny. I, sometimes I get asked if somebody can buy a gift card, somebody else to try my services. And I've just stopped even accepting it because I've realized if it's not the person who's motivated booking the appointment, it's just never, I don't want to waste anybody's time. And it ends up just kind of falling flat. I had uh, th this new client I had yesterday I was just talking about. She had, a, a, along with her other things that she did, she had a $100 gift card. And um, and she needed acne care, right? So someone got her that. Um, first time in 13 years. 
<laughs> so, you know, not a big motivator, but, um, but, but that, that person also knew that she was going to be coming here looking for a place to treat that. So it was just a little help, but, um, yeah, if, if you, you, you don't have an aging problem, if, if, if it doesn't bother you to look in the mirror and see an aging face, you're just older. Yeah. So, um, that's why it's not, we can't impose our values on people um, when it comes to their appearance. They decide you know, how they look and, and how they feel about how they look, which is very, very important because that is, in fact, what we treat. We treat the react, emotional reaction to the condition, not the condition itself, uh, initially. And then once, once the skin is, improves, if the person feels better as a result of that, then, you know, that is the net goal and the net gain, feeling better about how you look. Do you think it's important for the professional to understand kind of the how the emotions affect the person with acne or, you know, why it bothers them or kind of ask more of those emotional type questions? Oh, no, it's key. It's indispensable, really. Because as I said, the, the emotion, the emotional response to what people see is what gets them into the esthetician's chair. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. It's just because there'd be no motivation, right? I mean, if you're, if you're heavy, if you've got a heavy body and you don't mind it, you don't have a weight problem, right? And so it just depends on, you know, you may... You may have subsequent health problems result, resulting from that, but that's something else too. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is our response to something that we are experiencing and we see, usually an emotional response, genuine and certainly a negative emotional response, that makes us want to pay money to have, uh, to have that corrected. But. Plastic surgeons have been aware of this for a long time. Uh, if, if you go in for a facelift, for example, let's say you're a 55-year-old woman, right, recently divorced, um, planning to get back, you know, at some point in dating, and you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, you know, jowls, and maybe you could use a lipectomy and this sort of thing. And you really don't like yourself. If you go and get a rididectomy and it's all done right and you look in the mirror and you still don't like the person that you see, then you did the wrong thing by getting that facelift. And very often, because patients don't recognize that, they'll go back to the plastic surgeon and complain that they don't like what they see, something's wrong, but they can't articulate it because they're not even conscious of the fact that they just don't like that person. And now that person looks different, but but their response to them is the same. Um, that's a really interesting thing. Uh, and it's, it's a it's a phantom reaction. A lot of times, people had really bad teeth who suddenly got it all fixed. 
who used to cover their mouth when they laugh, that will continue even after they have a good smile. Because there is a there is a, a conditioned negative response just to showing your mouth like that. So the, the, the psychology behind all of this, as a matter of fact, I'm doing a podcast tomorrow uh, on the psychology of aesthetics. This is it. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, when people come out of the, you know this yourself, when people come out of that treatment room, you know, I'll have a, I used to keep a mirror on my desktop, uh, desktop so they could look at their face. They don't do it. They just talk about how they feel. Oh, I feel so great. I feel so wonderful. Oh, I love coming here. Do I have to leave? Right. I always look forward to the next visit. They don't even look at how their skin looks. And um, and that's because that was that is the payoff, the very thing that they're telling us. This is why I'm here. Yeah. And you know, and they had a facial too. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the 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 psychology, the emotional content of what that client brings to us is really, really important for us to, to, to not, not only understand, but also how to respond to that. And, you know, our business depends on that as well. Mm-hmm. The better we are at that, the better our business will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want our clients to not only like what they see, but like how they feel after seeing us. And that's something I I learned from you, even with these more, I'd say, clinical types of treatments, you still really value the client's experience and them leaving feeling relaxed, even after just getting extractions. It's it's, it's, It's much more important. And that all comes out in the, in the, uh, consultation process in the very beginning because I don't lead the client to to agree with me I want to find out what their experience is what makes them happy what got them to come back uh, for treatments what got them to not do it again right what let them down what do they remember about a treatment they really loved that uh, was made it worth their while tell me about that I want to hear about it how did you feel about that? And therein, you have the reason why people are doing this. <clears throat> and therefore, you know what to deliver. It's so easy not to make a mistake in this business if you really take the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and setting the expectation, I think, will save you almost every time. The last question I have for you, Douglas, is from Leslie Gonzalez, and she wants to know what is the best education to specialize in acne? Well, uh, learn everything you can from every source you can. For example, uh, my company, um, um, Preston Skin Center, which will soon become Preston Acne Pros, it's going to be our new identity. Um, We focus largely on congestive acne, Again, because it's the most common type we see, but client psychology is a part of that education and extraction training and so forth. Client communication, big part of it. But you know, of course, you want to learn the the physiology of of, of acne. You want to learn about the uh, hormonal influences, cosmetic ingredients, 
uh, um, pro and con uh, uh, for acne conditions, uh, the kind of environmental factors that are, are going to play a role, uh, family history, needless to say, and it goes on and on and on. And there's many different uh, uh, companies that offer this. Um, face reality, for example, is very well established in acne education. But I would say that in our in our Preston uh, acne therapist congestive acne therapist certification program, a very good percentage of those people who come to that are have already been certified by Face Reality. I really commend them because they it they they they're not disappointed with the education they had. They're just not satisfied yet. Nor should any of us be right. We should keep continually look for. Um, New ways to treat things that uh, are um, uh, are established as conditions, and at the same time to you know to be better versed in explaining to clients what their acne is all about. If there's anything that I do that is very different from the medical community, is I take the time to educate people about the acne that they have, how it works, how it functions, what can exacerbate it what it takes to correct it. Uh, so they understand it. And, you know, I use visual images, right? And, uh, before and afters, you know, uh, uh, diagrams of the, of the skin follicle, what's going on in there. So they know what I'm doing, and they're so grateful. And I'll ask them, I say, you, you visited a dermatologist before. Did you get any information like this? And they're like, no, never. Okay, that's a nice advantage that we have. Because I will take time to establish that relationship, to build that confidence in them. And also, it, it shows a great degree of care. You know, I care enough to take the time to teach you what's happening. So you at least know what, why we're doing what we're doing. And, uh, and that's, that's a phenomenal advantage that we have. We can take that extra time and not just glance at it, write a prescription and say, come back in six weeks. We'll see if that works. A lot of people are frustrated with that experience, not to say there aren't some great dermatologists and good experiences, but I do hear a lot of clients feeling it was such a short meeting, they didn't understand why they got the pre prescription they did or how to use it. So understanding the psychology and, and taking the time to connect, I think, is where we have an advantage. Okay, well, Douglas, I know you have a, some exciting things coming up. I wanted to let everyone know about your classes that are online and just give a little personal testimonial to the, the certification program that Douglas was just touching on. That is what I went through uh, to get certified in acne and really feel comfortable saying I specialize in it. I think it's incredibly worthwhile. It is it is just different from some of the brand education out there, being that Douglas isn't partial to any one brand, and he is an esthetician with many decades of personal experience. So I would say having that personal side of the program, understanding how to relate to clients and, and go through this process of treating acne with them, it's been really invaluable to me. So that is one program on his site. He's got 
business classes and and other classes as well. And then Douglas, I know you have a upcoming live class, right? In San Jose. We do. Um, uh, we don't do them very often, two or three times a year. Uh, we, we, uh, we have one coming up. It's called Mastering the Art of Comedone Extractions. It's a hands-on course, uh, quite in-depth. Uh, it includes one uh, Preston Comedone Extractor and a Certificate of Achievement. Uh, to find out about that course, you would want to go to PrestonSkinCenter.com. So go to PrestonSkinCenter.com. Uh, and in the menu bar, you'll see skincare professionals. You go there and drop down, and then you can see all of our training programs, everything we offer. Uh, if you go into the store uh, there, uh, you'll see the, the June 11th class. We have a few seats left, and, um, and you can sign up there. You can also use Tess's coupon code, which will save you 10%. That's right. That is Tess10. Uh, so when you're if you're if you're joining us and you're checking out uh, for the class, uh, just put test ten in the uh, coupon code area and you'll save a nice amount of money. Uh, uh, we will be um, so we have that class. Uh, we have one coming up on July seventeenth in Irvine, California. That's oversold, so <laughs> nothing there, and we don't have any other dates so far for Northern California. We will eventually, but it will be a, a after summer. So um, if you want to get in on this one, please do. You won't, you won't be disappointed. It's a very, very popular class and a real eye-opener for you. Yeah. I I just want to say, I feel like to learn the extractions in person is, is kind of key, right? To using the tool. Oh my, yes. Mm -hmm. It's everything. Um, I, I mean, we, we've sold thousands of these extractors, uh, and um, many times when I see people who didn't get the hands-on training using it on Instagram, uh, you know, it, a lot of times I'll, I'll write them behind the scenes and say, hey, thank you for showing that. I uh, got a few tips. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, which is Preston Skin Center, and you can go there and see many demo videos of me using that extraction tool there in different parts of the face. So, you know, be sure to check that out as well. And, um, but we'd love to have you in our courses, uh, needless to yeah, say. Yeah. And, and Douglas is a great host for anyone who would be traveling or coming from out of state. It's a really nice area of California to visit nice and safe and sunny and um, quaint and seeing Douglas and Kathy is always a treat too. Yeah. Often half of our out of state. That's impressive. And, um, and we sometimes we'll have more from out of state than even from California. It's kind of hilarious. But wow. Yeah, it is nice out here. So we're <laughs> in the facility where we train. Beautiful. Yeah. So we'd love to have you. Yeah. And you'll be in Vegas as well, speaking. Yes, I'm speaking on uh, Sunday. I think it's the 23rd, maybe. Uh, you know, uh, it is a class that, that you have to sign up for. Uh, at the Las Vegas IECSC, and it is on the business side of, of acne. So this is on how to succeed in, um, uh, in your career as an acne therapist, and I make a good pitch for why you might want to do that. Mm. We'll also, oh, uh, it's on the 25th at noon. So um, 
and we know a lot of people are coming to that program. Uh, we'll also have a, an exhibit there, a very small one, because we don't like to do big booths, and we'll have uh, Preston Extractors, uh, our extractionees, um, uh, does encrustation lotion and mask there, and, uh, and a few other things. Very exciting. Will this be your last year in Vegas? Three years ago was my last year in Vegas, and I said I wouldn't be speaking again. I used to speak at all of the Quest Tech shows and, and, yeah. and others. But uh, at that point, my business didn't really have anything to offer at the shows to make it neat, you know, necessary for me to go. Mm. <clears throat> but since we developed the extractor tool, the acne programs and so forth, and it's worth our while. We won't be at many, but uh, Vegas possibly uh, uh, in future shows. If it's, it's uh, not not neither my or Kathy's favorite town, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah. um, but the show I really enjoy, and so um, yeah, you might see it. Might run into us there in the future. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, go say hi to Douglas and Kathy, you guys, if if you're able to go. Make sure you check out his courses. I'll link everything in the description notes of the podcast. I'll link or put my discount code there as well. And Douglas, just thank you so much for your time and coming on and sharing your expertise with us. Gladly. It's always a lot of fun. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. We will talk to you in the next episode next week.